Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely and a world given back to us. This is Wade here in the podcast studio. That that noise you lightly hear in the background is Michael thumbing through his very well-used Bible. And we are here today to record a Bible episode. We are in the podcast studio. We are at the college. And we have taken a few weeks off because... Uh, it's been busy, and we just uh, we had all three of us at one point out of the state. We have not had a chance to record. We would have all three of us here today, but one of us is missing. Um, I don't know what he has going on. I think he was going to eat lunch or something, was it? Michael, do you remember? I don't know. Um, but Jason is not here, but Michael and I are here, and we're going to be talking some Bible today. I'm going to go ahead and lead before we say anything else, and we'll have our regular disclaimer in a moment. But I'm going to go ahead and lead with a uh, with an earmuffs warning. Yeah, for sure. If uh if you've got if you've got little ones with you in the vehicle or in the house, or you have a very immature spouse, um, we're going to be talking some colorful stuff. But it's okay because it's from the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, but there will be some uh, images that are used in the scriptures that we will be discussing. In this episode, that you are free to make the choice of who you would like to uh, listen along. Um, but do not hold us responsible if they learn some words, if they ask some questions. Know that for us, the filter already isn't great, or at least for me. For sure R-rated. You think R? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's R-rated. I would, I would have gone PG-13, but... It's R-rated. Okay, this is R-rated. And we'll get to what we'll be discussing, but it will be Bible. We're not going to be just being coarse and vulgar to be coarse and vulgar. In fact, um, it's our goal to not be that very intentionally. But we are going to talk about uh, this picture that the Scripture uses in the Old Testament book of the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Um, we are part of the 1517 Podcasting Network. They are certainly not responsible for anything Ezekiel no. says no. or anything we say even. You can go to 1517.org, check out all the stuff there. They just had their annual big conference. They have one coming up in Bentonville. You can find out more in the show notes. Um, They have publishing house, lots of good stuff you can find at 1517.org. And uh, lest we we draw this out too long, um, why don't we go ahead, Michael, if you would, and and give us our... We already had one disclaimer. Why don't you give us our normal disclaimer? This show doesn't speak for our churches or church bodies or our employers, to be honest. Much of the time, it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot. So approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism, because well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, do not look around and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends. And don't let us get in the way. And, uh, Michael, that brings us to our surprise free-for-all. Okay. This will be a short one, but I, I couldn't resist asking you this today. I have, there's two questions I have tied to this. Um, here uh, in Wisconsin, what do they call it, the land of the frozen tundra or whatever, there was some big sports news yesterday. 
Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And um, what happened, Michael? Uh, Michigan State lost to James Madison in basketball. I knew you were going to bring that up. That and that. Now I will say this: I was very upset, and I even messaged you at one point and said, "Great, now we're not good at basketball either." <laughs> um, but I think Izzo will use this, and he even said after the game, "If that's okay. what happens with our veterans, I'll just start the freshman." So we'll see. But what else happened? Uh, Craig Council, Milwaukee hometown kid, played for the Brewers, managed the Brewers, uh, decided to go for the money, perfectly fine. Not perfectly fine going to the the Cubs. Because it's not just a rival, it is a uh, big brother, little brother city kind of thing. Right. And um, And and the Cubs, like, just straight up firing this manager that they said they were committed to, who's also... A Cubs guy. Yeah, but Ross, he's overrated. Well, still, this is not a normal move. And for you outside of uh, Milwaukee, um, Cubs fans come to the Milwaukee Brewers And they get drunk and puke all over everything. And also, like, buy the tickets and whatever. So there's... They call it, what, Wrigley Park North. Yeah, there's sort of a hatred towards the Cubs that uh, is unique. The yeah. only other one would be like San Diego and L.A. maybe kind of. But, but there, I mean, Chicago-Milwaukee is, is just a rivalry. Or Chicago-Wisconsin, the Packers and the Bears. It's Chicago that keeps us from getting a professional hockey team is always my, my, my understanding because there's a rule about if it's in so many miles, it can get nixed, and so the Blackhawks don't want to lose market share. Um, so it's a big betrayal. It's a betrayal. In the eyes of Brewers fans. Now, my first question for you, Michael, is just out of curiosity. So... Brewers fans, I heard a lot of talk yesterday of this is, this is our biggest rival. My sense is that the Brewers are not the Cubs' biggest rival. That most Cubs fans would say the Cardinals are. And I'm curious sure. if that's your sense as well. For sure. Okay. And the Cardinals would say the Cubs are? Yeah. Okay. So this is kind of like, tell me if this is a fair comparison, Michigan State's biggest rival is Michigan. Yeah. Michigan's biggest rival is Ohio State. Yes. Both Michigan State and Michigan hate Ohio State. Yes. Would it be fair to say both Cubs and Brewers hate, or both Cardinals and Cubs, Cardinals and Brewers hate the Cubs more than Cubs and Brewers hate the Cardinals? Or would you say that? I think the Brewers hate the Cardinals and the Cubs equally. Right, but would you say, like, if you had to say which fan base is, if they had to team up, like, I think Michigan State would side with Michigan against Ohio State. Yeah, I think that... Most, most fans yeah, in state would. I would say that, yeah. I would say that the Cubs and the Brewers would gang up against the Cardinals. Really? Okay. I had a sense it might be that. Yeah, because because people really don't like Yadier Molina in Milwaukee. <laughs> All right. Second thing. Mm-hmm. I've been racking my, my brain as a Detroit sports fan. Um, and I cannot think of anything like that even comes to mind as like a somewhat major betrayal. I, I mean, the, before you had the Favre going to the Vikings, that was big. Um, I mean, Saban leaving state and going to Alabama was unpleasant, but Alabama wasn't like LSU, a rival. LSU. LSU, sorry. But LSU wasn't a rival. Um, the, uh, but do you have in your sports allegiance anything that you would compare to maybe this level of sense of betrayal? Um, no, I can only think of, was it, uh, Brendan Shanahan went from the blues to the Red Wings, I think. Oh, that's not a bad one. Yeah, but 
I mean, that was kind of like the, there was a, a mini time when they right. were rivals in the 90s. And I think there has to be things that we're not thinking of. Right. But this is a big one for, for Milwaukee. It's big deal. This would be like Harbaugh going to Ohio State. Played at Michigan. Yeah. yeah. Coached there. Except a little bit. Cheated extra, there. A little extra passion there. <laughs> True. Yeah, a little extra passion. <laughs> Are you getting nervous that am I going to get to put a, a bigger asterisk on the... No. No. This is all smoke and mirrors from the NCAA. Uh, there's, it's it's going to play out like a soap opera. I think Harbaugh is going to be vindicated. All Does he resign? Well, they want to resign him, which means that they didn't find anything wrong. Does he resign? Um, or is this? His, or is he jump to the resign. NFL? We'll have him resign. I think he's he signs a contract, and he's willing to just be the kind of the the evil. He like. he's he stuck it to the NCAA. They're going after him. They're going after him. You're not going to go about anybody else. There's evidence of all these people doing. And you think Harbaugh? had anything to do with this. This guy's an idiot. This guy was taping stuff and buying tickets on his own on his own dime, not changing hey. his name. I think this this guy wrote a 600-page manifesto. This guy's crazy. He's trying to get information so that he can then weasel his way into the Michigan uh, coaching staff. Maybe and one day end up down on the sideline right. giving input well, to the coaches. I think that's what he was trying to do, but... To say that they knew about this, uh, about all of these, uh, where he went to different games, absolutely not. There's no way. And then um, I didn't plan and to go. And why would you do that? I didn't you even plan to go to. this way and bring that up. You don't even need to go there. I you did have just need to make the Harbaugh comparison, so I apologize. And I think that I think that this is a vendetta. Would you say I though, Michael, that, that right now? I think you know who's gonna. You know, this may be the this may be the beginning of the end of the NCAA. Well, I think that was already coming. I think they're trying to pretend they're the old NCAA. This is. This is While garbage. being the, the new, would you say that right now, as far as nationally, which program is more shameful in the views of the nation? My uh, allegiance, Michigan yeah. State, which has been pretty bad. Yeah, pretty bad. Improper behavior. Yeah. Or yours. And you may, you may think it's unjustified. Now, you do also have a coach being investigated by the federal government. Yes. We don't want to forget that either. Yes. Uh, but I, I'll admit, I don't know if Harbaugh knew about this, whatever. So whether it's justified or not, which one do you think um, is more shameful in that of the general That's public? That's a good question because there's a parallel in our society is who, who is more shameful, uh, the, the people running the streets and <laughs> like doing all sorts of violent, immoral, sexually immoral You're things? You're saying that's us? Yeah. Or the white-collar criminal? Mm-hmm. That is not an easy question, right? I almost think that that it's you guys that have more stink on you now, just publicly for right now. But the thing about Michigan, though, is they always keep the chin up, and they'll they're they're gonna walk right through this like uh heads hot, held heads the leaders held in the best high <laughs> leaders in the best. We'll take yeah. It. All right, well, we will see. I um as a Michigander, I, I would I would hate to see the Michigan players, especially, miss out on a chance uh, to have the season that they're building. Um, Although I was, but I, I also just I really I, don't believe Harbaugh is nearly as clean as he likes to act. He is. Oh, I think he's smart enough to have plausible de- deniability. Yeah, and I also think that I I was very concerned with, uh, as the the Michigan State AD had said, very concerned about the safety of the Michigan State yeah. players, as as he has shown. That well, you know what you know what will blow this up will be the, one 
lawsuit from a player saying they got hurt because of this. Yeah. And, uh, oh, I, I even saw somebody like take his helmet off and throw it at somebody because they had yeah. stolen It's weird. You would think like in heated moments that sports would have a way not to put people in a. <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll see. Yeah. All right. I mostly was interested in the Craig Council, but we went a different direction. But we had a little fun. Okay. All right. Um, I will hit the music and we'll make our way to the main topic. us to our main topic today, which will be chapter 16 of the book of the prophet Ezekiel. And this uh, episode's coming about because, Michael, you were talking about Ezekiel in 105, I, re- I think, yeah, right? 224, Christ in the Old Testament. Okay. And he said to me, you know, we should do an episode on Ezekiel. And I have been, um, I have never read the King James Version of the Bible. Um, so I've read through, you know, like the ESV, NIV, NASB, stuff like that. And so I thought, you know, I never even used the TLH language because I came right after the new hymnal came out. And I thought, I'm a 45, now 46-year-old man. Um, I'm going to read the King James. So I've been working my way through, and I'm starting with the um, the major prophets. And just for fun, because to see how that goes. And uh, so I had been working through Ezekiel, and, and, and Mike referenced the husband-wife picture. Seemed kind of excited about it. And I said, oh, man, I just was reading through that in the King James. And it's fun to read it in the King James because the King James, uh, it's extra colorful on this. Um, but again, I'm going to give the disclaimer. If there's going to be some adult topics. It's R-rated. Yes. The imagery that Ezekiel uses. And I'm even going to have ready that. Is it appropriate to use that for the Bible or no? I w- I'll leave that or if up. the Bible says it, we can say it. I think we can say it. Okay. One of the words that's going to come up a lot, in fact, it comes up, I think it was like 30-some times in this chapter, is the word W-H-O-R-E, which I have agreed with Michael. He agreed I can read the King James at various points if I choose to. Um, but because I want it down, I don't want to be too harsh with my language, I'm going to say whore mm-hmm. instead of whore. I, I'm pretty sure. Is that a fair compromise? Yeah, I'm pretty sure in the NIV it's prostitution. They only use prostitute the whole way? Th- that's the one that comes out the most. Okay. I, I don't recall. The ESV really leans into the whore, whore thing yeah. as well. I'm not saying it's an exact parallel every every time. And maybe if, but. so I'm going to throw it to Michael at the stage, but if I can just begin yep. with a, Disclaimer yep. for Ezekiel, too. Yep. Um, so looking at kind of like some modern commentary, not like book commentaries, but if you look online when this chapter comes up, there's a word you'll sometimes see thrown out a bit. Misogynistic, right? Yeah. Um, because you're going to have this adulterous woman, and she's kind of put to shame. Eventually she's going to be put to death. Um, stoning, 
and then cut in pieces. Now, none of this is happening in... This is not literally God and his wife. Um, But it's an image of what's going to come with warfare. And uh, and here we should use the disclaimer for Ezekiel that we've used often for the Old Testament especially. Um, God dealt with the people he had. And he spoke to the cultures that existed. And so God is, um, when it's a very serious time for Israel, for Judah, God is going to use a very serious illustration. And so this is not God saying, um, you know, this is how you you, you treat um, a prostitute, another human being. Um, this is God saying, you guys are chasing after all. This is how the world treats yeah. um, these things. And this is what's going to happen. And we'll get to, I hope we get to at the end. And then we're going to get, he's going to go, but I'm still going to love you. I'm going to restore you. And so I'll just lead with that too because it's kind of like um, people read Genesis sometimes and and they'll they'll go, well, you know, this or that seems odd. Well, the ancient Near East was not um, as polished a place as we might have liked it to to be. And if you're academically honest, you'll actually find out that this message as as harsh it is as it is to our ears, and it is, if you look underneath and compare it to the context that they're in, it's actually quite progressive. Right. So uh, I think you made a good point, Ezekiel, and we'll, we'll get into the imagery in a second, but Ezekiel's making this point like, this is this is what you're doing. And, and it hurts the Lord. And this yeah. is this is something that, this is the rest of the world acts this way. Why are you acting this way? You're different. And he turns it around with a promise. So can I can I just overarching picture of the bride? And the, yep. Okay. I, so the disclaimers are out of the way. Yeah. You go where you want to go, Michael. Okay. And I'm occasionally going to jump in with some King James, okay. but I'm especially interested in your thoughts since yeah. you brought okay. up the idea. So this is a picture that's not unique to Ezekiel. Ezekiel just goes hard on this, like he chapter after chapter, right? He is... He is really going to lean into this into this imagery. So the image there is that God is husband and that his people are the are his bride. So uh, in the New Testament, we talk about Jesus being the husband and the bride of Christ being the church. And the picture there is, especially in Ephesians, that uh, he dresses her up in his perfect righteousness. It's a white wedding. It's a white wedding, yeah? And you get to wear a white dress despite your sin, you are pure, and he honors her and adores her and puts her on a pedestal. So this whole like misogynistic uh, claim or accusation, uh, in the end, it's about Christ doing everything for his bride, like like waking up every day and say, "What can I do for you today?" And it was normal, and it still often is normal to speak of nations or peoples or things in a feminine way. Yeah. Right, and so um, it wasn't just. And that's a, not a dishonored. It's thing. not it's just God choosing thing. to do this. Yeah, this was an that this thing is important. Think of people talking about the motherland, yeah. um, and so he's picking up on that. Yeah. So uh, this is throughout the Old Testament. It's amazing once you start looking for it, you see that it's everywhere, and the picture there is God. It's a marital love that God has has between between Himself and His people, and I take that as then he created us to be people of marriage. It's not the other way around where 
uh, he, he noticed a bunch of people getting married. He's like, well, as a, for, for good pedagogical reasons, I am going to use this, uh, this analogy. I'm going to meet the people where they are. No, I think he created us with the sense of marital love, and that marital love is a divine thing, um, and it is God for his people, both male and female, a part of the church, a part of his people. We're made for relationships and for, for intimacy. Yeah. So And intimacy is more than just, well, there's going to be sexual imagery that's used here. Um, it's sexual imagery that says you're betraying the intimacy yeah. in yeah. these ways. Yeah, and so the the deep relationship between uh, Christ and his people dying and being resurrected and being buried, being washed, all of these things, I think, do kind of give us, uh, it, it fleshes out this picture of the, of the church being the bride of God. Okay, so the picture here then is we are one, we are intimate, we do we we don't go with others, right? And so uh, there is a marriage bond. There is fidelity. There is a sacredness to this promise of, of faithfulness. So when Israel commits idolatry, God calls it also adultery. Right? And it comes up in, in, in so many different ways. But again, Ezekiel takes it to the extreme when he talks about Israel, and, and the historical context is, uh, this is actually Judah, now just Judah, that is going to be carried off in exile uh, to the Babylonians. And by the way, Ezekiel makes it very clear, very clear, that God does this to them. He is the one that allows Nebuchadnezzar. And he sends Nebuchadnezzar, he says it, right? He is going to be the one that does After this. he's already done this to the northern kingdom, yeah, yeah. which is part of the shock, or it's part of what Ezekiel is trying to drive home of like you saw what happened, right. like why are you trying to outdo and, and, all these people that it, this worked out really bad for? Yeah. And God does this; He is gonna, which then colors the the picture of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego uh, uh, being faithful to the Babylonian government because they know that they're there because God said you're going to be there, right? And you, 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 He gives the, gives the command to work for the shalom of the people in Jeremiah. Okay, so um, Ezekiel's a weird dude. There's weird stuff going well, on there. Is he a weird dude, or is he called to do weird stuff? I often wrestle with this. I think he's like. Did God say this guy's different? I can use him, or was God like, like here's a normal guy, but I'm going to make him do weird stuff? I, I think it could go either way. Of course, we're not told. Well, like he chooses Moses, but he formed Moses for this specific task. He's both Hebrew and Egyptian right. in, a, in a real way. So maybe maybe it's somewhere in, the, in between that God made him weird. And I would say, I mean, Isaiah has the naked thing. Yeah. But Ezekiel overall is doing the weirdest stuff. Weird stuff. Of all the prophets. Weird stuff. Yeah. Some of it quite profound, eating a scroll. And it's often put up there with Revelation as one of the more difficult books yeah. of the Bible to track or understand. Yeah. So Ezekiel then... Well, and even like... At one point, God wants him to eat human dung. Yeah. And Ezekiel, to his credit, and to God's credit. Or the food cooked over the, yeah. Yeah, is like, um, I'm not going to, how about, how, yeah, how about no to that? Yeah. And God's like, all right, cow dung. Cow dung. Is and then okay? they compromise. Yeah. Laying on your side. Well, like ruining like a little days. model thing yeah. that you made. 
Uh, dude's married. And by the way, when Ezekiel's wife dies, God says, don't mourn her. And I take that as a picture of saying God, God sending Judah away and not mourning the loss of his bride. Now, all of this then is backed up by the promise to bring the people back. And so he, so uh, he's going he's gonna to call Israel lots of nasty things, but then he is going to forgive her and bring her back. And he, but he's going to call her accurate things. Yeah. So the picture there is if you commit idolatry, worship a different God, you are committing adultery. And so God is saying, you cheated on me. You cheated on me. And so Ezekiel is going to start using words like whore, prostitution. It's going to get very, very, very graphic. Uh, I think I take the picture as you went after the Egyptians because they were more endowed. You went after the Babylonians because they were slick and rich merchants. And then he says, he says, you were brazen. You did this like with my stuff in my house. And so I, I take the picture as of this faithful husband, right, whose, whose wife has gone after men she finds more attractive, more sexually uh, pleasing, um, who are uh, monetarily uh, better off um, or slick or whatever. And she does it for pay, and she does it in the living room while her husband's upstairs. And she does it in part because she knows she's beautiful, right? She's smitten with being desirable, to with being wooed, and yet at the same time, God says, you're not even a good prostitute. Because in the process, he says, normally a prostitute gets paid. You're paying them. Like, so this isn't even a good business model, for the occupation that you've taken up. Um, but there's also a sense of she's taking pride in the thing that God made her. And we'll get to earlier in the chapter when when God talks about how he found her and made her beautiful. And this goes back to the picture of Christ making the church, right, radiant, so that there can be a white writing. She She now grows into this thing that God has made her, and she looks at herself and she says, hey, I'm desirable, right? And and then puts herself out there. And then I, I read this as, as eventually uh, Ezekiel then is going to go after the Johns. Mm-hmm. So he comes down and he he is, what's what's and you can imagine, for the husband, who is the first one that betrays, what the one that hurts the most is, is his bride. But he's still not, he's still not happy with the, people who came into his house. Right. When there's stories about like house. a murder happening in the situation, <laughs> it's usually that the the spouse who catches the other cheating beats up or kills the person that is cheating with their spouse. Now, sometimes the spouse gets killed yeah. too, but but the in the moment, mm-hmm. right, you can have the it, the feeling of deep hurt yeah. with the spouse and then anger at the other. Right. Now, Ezekiel does hint that, like, the, the Messiah is for all people, and so there's forgiveness for people of other... He's going to do a long list, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, because these are still God's people, too. But the, but the, 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 the original picture there is he is he, his, he, he calls lots of names to Israel, and he's going to turn, 
or Judah is going to turn his back on his bride for a while. I'm not going to mourn you, but my love will endure and I'll bring you back. Then he goes after the Johns and he, and he doesn't have that same promise. There's going to be promises later, right? But he doesn't have that same promise. And so he still loves his wife, but he has no use for Assyria, Babylon. Yeah. And he's not only, he's not only going to like wait and then love her again. She's going to get the penalty for her adultery. She's going to be stoned and cut in pieces. And yet, God will love her again and renew the covenant. And we get a strong death and resurrection picture, right? And yeah. Here as well. 37. Yeah. So this will um, this will continue uh, in, in that way. Can you maybe, Mike, um, just set the stage or maybe we set the stage for the... This is a weird... Rela- so Dr. Mark Brown preached chapel today. And I said, oh, if I knew you were going to be here, I'd have you come on. We're going to be talking about Ezekiel Ezekiel 16. And he said, oh. He said, yeah, that's a hard one for people to understand today, right? The the husband raises the child and then marries the child. And that's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And so we get at the beginning of the chapter um, in uh, verse 3, I'm going to give a little King James. There's no bad words. And there are no bad words. There's just words poorly used. Not in the Bible, but in general. And say, thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Cana. Thy father was an Amorite, and thy mother an Hittite. Um, he makes plain, like you were this orphan child. Uh, and as, as for thy nativity, and that day thou wast born, thy navel um, was not cut. Neither wast thou washed in water uh, to supple thee. Am I doing pretty well with King James? Thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. None I pitied thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee. But thou wast cast out in the open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou wast born. And the picture of is of a child left for exposure. Which so is, before the days of abortion, if you didn't want a child, sometimes the ancients had ways to bring about an abortion, but usually you would just leave a child out for exposure and they would either die or be picked up by pimps to be raised for slavery, um, or for prostitution, or be, be picked up by slave masters to be sold for slavery. Um, the Christians start caring for these kids, and that's why it's rumored that they're like doing something bad. Well, this is where orphanages come from. Um, but the idea, you're this child that's left for dead, and I found you. And maybe if you want to take it from there, Michael, what happens, what, what makes Israel what it is, and beautiful... Why is God stressing this? Yeah, I, you know, they're always God's people, right? All people are God's people. What, what we're after here is that you yourself did not, did not bring anything to the table, right? So individually, we could, we could loosely say this is original sin, and then you're adopted in baptism. We could apply that to the individual. But, but think about, you know, I, I, he called Abraham, um, he, um, he, he brought the people out of Egypt. Um, you, were, you were kicking around in your own blood. Think of the judges when they went on their own way. Uh, when Israel went on their own way, uh, they ended up getting oppressed and defeated. God picked them up again, gave them a new judge. And I, so, so I think that it's a, the picture is you go your own way and you have, you have nothing. So if, if you want to add that to the to the to the uh, bride-husband picture, 
it is, uh, you know, uh, again, this will be criticized as misogynistic or sexist, but um, you were living on the streets. And I saw, I, and, and it's not like I saw beauty potential in you or whatever. Because that's that not pretty woman. Yeah, not, this is not the message of, of the message of Christianity. Isn't that the movie with Julia Roberts, whatever? Yeah. Yeah. I, it amazes me, like, how many women love that movie, too. <laughs> yeah. Because um, it's very chauvinistic, oh, if you sure. think about it. Absolutely. It's been a while since I saw it. But. Well, she's a, she's a prostitute, yes. and then, like, for whatever reason, I can't remember why she, like, hires him, but then, like, he realizes, like, she's special, and then they f- slowly fall in yeah. love. Yeah. He rescues her. Nice. Well, still the '90s. We weren't. We still had a picture of a a knight in shining armor. All right. Now, the the point for the point that you're after, I think, is this: the righteousness of Israel is God, right? So God makes you righteous. He makes you beautiful. He makes you. He makes you worthy of His table. And so, this is this is a this is a language that we need to speak more and more because. Especially a lot of our our younger people, looking for identity and value, and they look inside of themselves, and uh, they're told to just convince themselves that they are worthy and beautiful and of, of themselves, and then to sell that to the world. Yeah, and then and sell it to the world. Insist on it to the world. Insist that you agree with me, and uh, it's often comes off as a very pathetic attempt at covering up some deep insecurities. And deep down, those of us who go through that yeah. point of adolescence or teenage years, yeah. whatever, we know, which is why we're so prickly about being poked at on it. Yeah. So I, I, you are, God didn't look at you and say, oh, there's some potential there or you're worthy. You're worthy to me because I make you righteous. So uh, I just watched a commercial, one of those, uh, I think it's the guy that... Uh, does uh, uh, Hobby Lobby? Did he? He the guy that he, owns Hobby Lobby. Yeah, he's he the one that funds this. The Bible Jesus, museum, right? Is it? Yeah, or? but isn't he also the one that funds the Jesus Just Gets Us campaign or something like that? I didn't know if they knew who funds uh, that. Maybe, it could be okay. Know. Anyway, it, you know, he gets us. He gets us. Jesus, Jesus, yeah. Jesus believed in his teammates too. Right. Which of yeah. course, is the exact opposite of what the Bible says. This latest one talks about the parable of. Uh, Jesus inviting uh, you know everybody to the banquet. You know who doesn't believe in his teammates probably right now? Tyson Walker from Michigan State. Yeah. Um, Dude had to score all their points. Yeah. So, um, and the, the commercial was just this typical, Jesus loves everybody. Okay. But at the end of that parable, he throws out the person without the wedding garments on. Right? Well, what's the point there? Well, that guy tried to get in without the righteous robe of Christ. So, you sinners don't go to heaven. Sinners are made worthy of heaven by being made righteous is probably a more accurate way to say it. So in this picture, God saves this person who lives on the streets. It's their fault they're on the streets. There's no potential or whatever. He dresses her up. He makes her beautiful. And what we're talking about is the righteousness of Christ. So we should ask the question, what, what makes Israel beautiful in the ancient Near East context? Well, I think what makes them unique is monotheism. And monotheism, I don't mean just that there's one God, but that God has a name and God speaks, right? Which is, and you don't have to mess around with the dead. 
trying to uh, ancestor worship, trying to manipulate this situation, always looking around your corner in the spiritual world. But there's a God who loves you and has said so, right? It's a very unique thing uh, that the creation is good. Uh, uh, they got they got a heck of a temple, right? There there are things in that, a city that God gifted them, yeah. right? You think of David, you have Melchizedek in Genesis. There had been people and kings in Jerusalem and in Judah before, but God gifts Jeff them. Says, yeah. yeah. So they're not, you know, they're not a huge power play. at this point. They're being pinched between Egypt in the south and whatever powers in the north, uh, but they do have a. a illustrious past with Solomon. Uh, they do have uh, the great building of the temple. Um, they're not nothing in that. I mean, they are always been unique and in that way beautiful. But what truly makes them beautiful is that God's favor is upon them. God has made them holy, set apart for this specific And he job. dwells in them. He's in the house. He's yep. in the temple. Yep. And Ezekiel's the one who's going to say, right, that the glory leaves the temple, mm-hmm. Right. And so uh, God was always Emmanuel with them, but he leaves the temple. Um, This is all very fascinating stuff, right? And it does add to this picture of this husband coming down from his bedroom and catches his wife once again with with another man. And she just looks up and and like, just, I know you'll just not do anything. And, And she thinks that he, she has him wrapped around his finger. She thinks he's weak. Yeah, it, that's exactly right, that he, he is weak and ineffectual. And so he finally comes down hard and says, this is, you know, you are, you are. And he, I mean, he, Ezekiel, the language there, the language there about uh, cutting to, to not only her promiscuity, but her desire for promiscuity, her shallowness in all of this, and said, I've, done, I've been a husband to you. I've been nothing but a husband to you, a good husband, and this is how you betray me. Uh, it It is a betrayal. It is a betrayal is the best word. And God's cared for her in the two most powerful ways that someone can care for someone. So he he finds her as this, this orphan who's been thrown off, who's left for dead. He raises her, and it talks about like her going through the stages of being raised. And then she comes to adulthood. Well, in the ancient world, when you're an orphan, Right, you're not, you're not marital material. You don't bring a dowry. Um, this is right. The, your future is not necessarily bright. And he's cared for her. He's provided for her. And now, and then the picture of marriage. Right, he spreads his, what is it, the hem of his cloth or whatever, his protection over her. And so now he's both cared for, for her as a helpless child, and now takes her as his wife. And someone might look. Well, why would he ignore as a child in the marriage? You got to understand the picture of the time, yeah. and also that older men were married younger women. That was just a function of how things for much of human history. Yeah. But anyways, so he's in this imagery saying, "I've I've 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 loved you in these in these most um, selfless ways." And to hit on one more thing that maybe makes her special, you mentioned she's not the biggest kingdom, but still today in like geopolitics. Oh. There can be places that seem rather small and insignificant, but they become enormously important yep. because of where they are. And then you can have somewhere that seems big and and and, um, and seems like it should be important, and yet it's it's not that important. So, like, think of like three quarters of Russia is not. I mean, that significant. 
um, a bunch of like, uh, you know, there's a, a number of countries that have a bunch of land mass, but not a lot of sway um, or regions of a country. Where Israel is, where Judah is located at this time, is right between the main players. And so while the main players could easily take her out if they wanted, it's easier to kind of seduce her against the other side. And so she gets, not only has she been taken from um, being an orphan and having been doted upon and having been um, now married, uh, she's being wooed. And we all know what that feels like. Things can go to our head. And so she is desirous of others, and then she's wooed on top of it. And uh, and we see um, what she thinks of God and then and how she reacts and yeah. flaunts it in his face. Yeah. That, that, that's the picture that is unique to Ezekiel. I mean, it's, it's elsewhere, but what's unique to Ezekiel is this intimate picture of like, you, you did this right under my nose. You disrespected me. Uh, you, you thought I was this weak husband that couldn't do anything. Right. Which you can understand like in the, in the shadow of the Assyrian, Babylonian, Egyptian, Persian, eventually Persian empires, you are weak and ineffectual. Right. Um, yeah. And Israel, you know, Israel's important still today for, for a variety of reasons. One is their political football right now, because you have powers in the North power in the South. You're also in the middle of like trade routes, mm-hmm. right? If you're going from like Europe, Asia, India, Middle East, going to the resources of Africa, you're going through, I mean, still the Suez canal today, that yep. kind of thing. Um, but but of course, Israel is important today, largely because of religion, whether people want to admit it or not. I mean, still today, there is this idea of this is a special place because this was a special people with a special task. And even though that task is done from our Christian point of view, um, there still is this sense of importance and outsized importance compared to GDP, military prowess, yeah. Uh, you know, Olympic yeah. success or something like that. Yeah. So if if we can build on this a little bit, Michael. So we have um, not only the adultery that's taking place, but this this prostituting this without shame, flaunting it, giving of gifts to the other when when normally in this exchange you're going to receive gifts for for what you do. There's kind of like this shamefulness, and there's this emphasis on Israel's or on Judah's appetites in this realm, that it's just insatiable. Um, it's never enough. Uh, it's never going to end. And God says, you're outdoing your sister Samaria who got carried away. Like they, they couldn't even fathom what you're doing now. He even says, you're outdoing Sodom. Like you're, you're not just doing this bad thing, you're doing it spectacularly. Now, the amazing part is at the end of the chapter, even Sodom, he talks about, will be restored in a sense, um, meaning all sinners can find forgiveness um, in Christ. But they're, uh, they're like on the all-star team of this bad whoring, this prostitution, this adultery sacrificing their children, um, you know, setting up a very public, uh, idolatrous um, 
places, yeah. buildings, we, altars. We, we should also mention, we, we probably should have done this before, but we should also mention that in the ancient Near East and, and even through the Roman Empire, uh, think of primitive religions writ large, there's a sexual component to religion. Yes. Whether it be like the, the seed time and harvest time, uh, a picture, uh, there is trying to manipulate the, the nature by uh, people uh, literally... Uh, you know, like a, having sex. In it front makes of sense, people, right? We want this thing to happen with our crops. Yeah. This is how we do yeah. that thing. And so we play that out in a certain way, much like you would play out sacrifices in a certain way. And so while we're like, oh my goodness, what this, this angry, you know, why do you call her a prostitute kind of stuff? This is, this is, this would have been, I don't think totally out of the right. realm of literary work of the time, or at least the culture of the time. Male and female prostitution right, right. Um, associated with some of this worship. And with Moloch, the Bible talking about the sacrificing of children to Moloch. Um, this this is, he's not just making up things that Israel is doing. No, he's using this image to explain mm -hmm. it. But image I keep would saying Israel, been, I mean Judah, but yeah. you get what I'm saying, the Jews. He, the image would have been familiar for the right. time. He, does he take this... To the extreme, yeah, because it's Ezekiel. But uh, <laughs> we could we could maybe think of you know like some sort of uh, not a trope, but like a like an image that that is overtaken our the way we talk in our culture, right? Uh, th those those don't have long lasting things in our culture with our our news cycle. But uh, just think of an imagery that news people use all the time to because it's part of our. We use sports analogies all the time. Right. Right. Uh, you know, Hail Mary, uh, a politician is, is going to, you know, change up his um, his campaign at the last second. That's a Hail Mary. Something's out of left field. So, yeah, yeah, all of that kind of stuff. That I think it's somewhat similar. And um, maybe in this uh, connection, um, then, to when he's, when he's talking about um, these religious practices uh, that they've given to. And when he says then, you know, um, what your father was a um, Ammonite and your mother was a Hittite, or Amorite, sorry, and thy mother was a Hittite, he's saying, you're going back to the very things which was the reason I told you the, Canaan, the Canaanites were to be wiped out. Right? <clears throat> These things that were so debased that this is why I acted against them to give this to you. Um, so this is part of their founding story. And maybe if we can just, uh, and you can stop me if I'm being unfair with modern application. Uh, so maybe we look at this worship and we go, why would there be temples with prostitutes or how could they sacrifice children, whatever. I think we, we do ourselves a disservice when we aren't real about the fact that there's a lot of brutal things that happen in our day, but we just sanitize them. Um, we too have detached sex from relationships in very serious ways that's had very serious consequences. That's part of what got, we were in, we were in relationship and now you're adulterous. With the, that's part of the power of the marriage picture. Um, and we have hardly upheld marriage um, for the sanctity it is beyond just sex as well, but for the intimacy it has. Um, with the the sexual revolution, we've seen this great detachment of things. Um, 
we don't have to make this an abortion episode, but we certainly, there could be debates about um, our sacrificing of, of children to other concerns um, in our own day. And maybe we don't see this as, as worship, as connected to uh, temple practice, etc. Um, but it's, it's humanity's capable of some pretty troubling things. And yet I would say, for anyone who has ever struggled with or fallen into any of the sins I just mentioned, the end of the chapter is going to be extremely important because God doesn't give up on his covenant. Um, God will forgive and love. And the language by there is, it's not God doesn't give up on you. He doesn't give up on his promise. Right. Um, but, I mean, we shouldn't be naive about uh, even, um, I mean, there's, think of human trafficking still today and, and, and sex trafficking and, and how that plays into every every major city you go to has an area that's has a, just plenty of prostitution, um, pornography. Yes, maybe it, it's not out in the open, so maybe it seems less shameful than in the past. Um, but we also have, uh, you know, chased after things. Well, I think the analogies are perfect. Like, first of all, let me just talk about like. So we already we already mentioned that the the sexual component with religion actually makes sense if you're thinking about the gods manipulating nature for your benefit or for 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 your uh, for your curse uh, but the sacrifice of children actually kind of makes sense because uh, in a very twisted obviously uh, awful way but I got to make the God happy so I sense things up by smoke make him hungry uh, that that famine still is occurring so I need a better sacrifice What's more valuable than a than a cow, a human? What's the most valuable human that would be an innocent human? So either a child or maybe like a young maiden. And so notice how far, this is all law, how far the law is from the gospel and yet how close it is right. to, to the truth. It would be God's one and only son, his innocent son, not that, so not ours. So uh, it's not that they're bonkers crazy, it's that they don't, have the gospel right they don't see god as loving they see god as tyrant um and and they're in a transactional relationship with god which is kind of in matins today we read from cfw Walther, and he had a, a good line about there like if you're in this he doesn't use this language but if you're in this transactional idea with god then you dare to say god owes owes me then god owes me isn't that something right that's that's pretty that's pretty bold so uh, back to the ori- original po- point, these, these, these pictures there, uh, you know, uh, they, they're a part of that, that society, and, and how do we then apply it today? Do we just go, geez, a bunch of, bunch of weirdos? No, and I, I think your point's valid. Okay, maybe you're not worshiping another god, but yes, you are, because we all have a number one, we all have, we all have an idol. Both adultery and idolatry are forsaking your first love. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, do we not um, do we not uh, think God is ineffectual, that He's not going to touch us? Do we make Him sound like He's weak? We take that his, He's not going to care for us. We take His strong love for us, and we see that as maybe weakness, and we can get away with things. We do it right under His nose. I mean, maybe we yeah. even um, maybe we get anxious and think we need the Assyrians or the Egyptians yep. or the Babylonians. Or the maybe we just call them Republicans or Democrats yeah. or, or something else. Yeah, yeah. and so. This is not, 
and I think you're right that just because we've we've uh, whitewashed our gravestones doesn't mean that there's not there's not a dead body under there, and uh, so it, we may we may put it we may put our greed uh, under the under the guise of being a good capitalistic patriot. We may uh, put our lust uh, uh, under the guise of uh, you know, this is just this is just entertainment. Or we, we, we can do all of these things, but in a way that makes us worse because we we're 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 hiding it, and and then pretend we're like David, where we 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 dismiss our our affair with Bathsheba and then come in as the great hero, and take the war widow into our family. A- at least the the prostitute of Judah was gutsy enough to do it in the. Out in the open. Yeah, and and I mean it's still true today as then. False religion, whether it realizes it's religion or not, false religion still kills. Yeah. Right, and um, and that's the danger as you hit on too. It, there was there, there were some law things at work, but they had no gospel. Um, the human heart, when it feels like it it has it's left to its own devices to save itself to preserve itself. Uh, is the same in every time. It will yeah. find things to, to lean on, and, and, and the things just change. But as Christians, we're tempted to do that too. There would not have been a Reformation in the Christian church mm-hmm. um, if we weren't tempted to to such things. Um, should we go to the end of the chapter, Michael? Do you have to teach class? No, I just have a conference call at 1. Okay. We do you have to teach? No. Did you have something you want to do before the end of the no. chapter? Okay. Can I read the end of the chapter yeah, and then we comment? Absolutely. So this is the longest prophecy in Ezekiel, um, longest oracle sometimes people will call it. Um, it's also the most times he says whore, I believe. Um, although we can do chapter, uh, well, I'll save that. There's another chapter we can do with that has another picture that's interesting. But he gets to the end of this. So he's just, he's thrown a lot at us. Uh, he didn't have verse numbers, but our English Bibles do. And so um, the uh, we get to the 60s here. It's a lot of verses for Ezekiel. And he says, I'm going to give you the King James still. It's because I'm getting into the King James. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, I will remember my covenant with thee in the days of thy youth, and I will establish unto thee an everlasting covenant. Then thou shalt remember thy ways and be ashamed when thou shalt receive thy sisters, thine elder and thy younger. So this is um, the northern kingdom and others that have gone astray who now are also brought back in. And I will give them unto thee for daughters, but not by thy covenant, not by yours, right, Israel's, Judah's. And I will establish my covenant with thee, and thou shalt know that I am the, the Lord, that thou mayest remember and be confounded, and never open thy mouth any more because of thy shame, when I am pacified toward thee for all that thou hast done, saith the Lord God. Um, he just painted this very um, colorful image for 50-some verses. He detailed graphically unfathomable sins. He has just lamented how he has been wounded by the unfaithfulness of his people. Uh, and then we get to this everlasting covenant. 
um, this restoration. Uh, what do you make of that, Michael? What well, he, you know, I, I'm trying to really delve deep into the picture here, right? And, and I think this is important that we're we're trying to make this picture. Okay, here's the 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 jilted husband. He comes downstairs. He's. I think that's what Ezekiel wants us to do. And when I read that last part, um, he doesn't come off as a desperate husband who is just taken by the, the, the wiles of his, of his beautiful wife who takes advantage of him. He, right. It's not just like, all right, I guess I'll yeah, just you know, fall for this again. Right. No, he is, like, he's not Samson. That's a good comparison. He's not Samson. So um, he... He says, but I made a promise. You may break the marital vow, but I will not. I will not no matter what. And uh, that, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty beautiful, right? Um, and I think about this a lot, like what's it going to be like in heaven when you, when you are with people you have harmed and who have harmed you? Uh, and, and the person you have harmed and, and have been harmed the most is person's closest to you most likely your spouse so oh i thought you were gonna say me and you know how 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 is that gonna be right and we just can't fathom that but we have a little bit of a hint in marriage down here or whatever (laughs) close relationship you have that having gone through that and somehow you're stronger even though you haven't forgotten that's that's something that's that's something that's quite unique and so uh this is this is God the husband saying, um, but because of my promise, it will be fine. Um, and in fact, you'll know my love even more in, in, in a roundabout way. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can think of Paul like when the, the more the sin increased, the more the grace increased, right? Uh, we're not saying sin's a good thing, right? Paul says, no, that's not, not what we're talking about uh, in chapter 6 of Romans. But you get his point there, that the love is yeah. even deeper. And I, I think with this, um, to hit on a point you made earlier again too, Ezekiel's going to go on in, the, in the, this covenant and this restoration is not just for Judah, for Israel, yeah, it's for um, but all people's... Re- yeah. And he uses the illustration, even Sodom, right? Yeah. Um, this was great about Isaiah and Ezekiel. They're, they are uh, Gentile-looking. Yeah. And this is not universalism. But this is to say there's a gospel that's for, for all. And so this love that he's showing here um, for, for his wife, for Israel, for Judah, um, is a love that he shows for his bride, the church. Uh, it's a love into which he calls and he invites all people. Yeah. Um, and I like that you use the marriage picture because I think all of our marriages, uh, except the ones that end with like a body in a freezer, <laughs> Like, I, that's what I think happens with the couples who say, oh, we've never fought. <laughs> is this one day there's a body in a freezer. <clears throat> um, but that is a moment, right, sometimes where each spouse probably at some point has the sense of, okay, I, I, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and this person should be mad at me. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're just kind of ill at ease. You don't sleep well. Uh, and then, like, the next day they still love you and it's just like, okay. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah, I can... I can dig this. <clears throat> and uh, that's not to say, God is saying, um, right, he's telling Judah, look what happened. We've got Babylonian exile. 
this is, you've been through the ringer, and here's why you went through the ringer. And yes, I, I worked through evil for this. I didn't work evil, but I worked through evil for this. Um, but here we are. Here we are now, and, um, and I love you. And, and right, you're, ex- you're not expecting me to love you. You've had plenty of time to sit and dwell on your sins. <clears throat> and I think this is what the, what the word of the gospel does in the Christian life too, where every Christian at some point is going to have a moment where um, they've had time to just sit and stew and the word of the gospel breaks in in a way that, in a new way. Um, and they're just hit by the love of God for them, um, for us. And so uh, maybe one lesson is... Um, God does not pretend that he doesn't know us fully. God knows us fully. And so he can use these images. Um, He can talk about Israel's um, public and also private secret sins. Um, And he knows you fully. And, And as you're listening, maybe some of your own sins come to mind. I know my own do. Um, and there's every reason for him to say to us things like he said to Israel, um, and yet he doesn't he doesn't give up on his vows. He doesn't give up on his baptismal promise. And uh, and that's what the church is for. That's the message of the church. Uh, and I, I think um, maybe we'll pick up a little more Ezekiel later. I think it's pretty powerful stuff. But any closing thoughts you have on it, Michael? No, this is good. I, I'd like to do chapter 37 eventually too. Yep. That, and 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 maybe talk about funeral preaching along with that. So, well, why don't we put that? Um, we'll put it on the whiteboard. And in the meanwhile, then um, we thank you for following along. Hopefully, no one got too offended by the Bible. Although the Bible has a history of offending people, it does. I don't think there was any grounds to be offended by us. No. We didn't even have to use the bleep button. Nope. Um, but we appreciate you you tracking along. Maybe it's nice to have a, a good study Bible for this. Like a Concordia self-study by Lutheran study Bible. You, some get wacky with some of the apocalyptic stuff. But for some of the things to have a little background on. But maybe uh, Ezekiel's a book to pick up sometime and read through. But make sure you've read the basics first. <laughs> um, but I think there's a lot in there for us. Um, and we can remember that God does uh, take seriously our sin, but even more he takes seriously his gospel promise so that we can then enjoy Let the Bird Fly. Another round, another round, oh, one more round won't get me down.